Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and welcome to another show, another Thursday evening here. It's uh, hard to believe, but it's already into the third week of April, April 21st of 2016, and uh, we're, we're just rocking along here into the new year, and uh, lots of great, uh, great golf happening, not only on TV, but uh, happening on the golf course all throughout the, the United States and even around the world. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. I got two great guests uh, coming up here in just a, a quick second on the uh, Coach's Corner panel discussion as we always start off the show uh, each and every week. And then I'm going to be uh, joined by uh, another gentleman a little bit uh, later on in the show who I'll introduce uh, to you as well. But in the meantime, let me just remind everybody, of course, we are live every Thursdays from 6 to 8 p.m. Central uh, here on uh, blogtalkradio.com network. Uh, easiest way to find us, for those of you uh, navigating here the first time, uh, just go to blogtalkradio.com, type in the search key, Golf Talk Live, and that will take you to the main page. And, of course, always at the top of the main page uh, is the current uh, live show. And for some reason, if you're not able to join us live and uh, you still want to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Golf Talk Live and just scroll down uh, through the page, you'll come to the on-demand section, and in that section there is all of the programs that have been previously recorded. Uh, you can uh, you can listen at your leisure when it's convenient for you, but we hope you can uh, join us live. It's a lot more fun that way. Uh, always want to invite you guys to call in, uh, whether it's during the panel discussion or whether it's uh, when my, my guests come on a little bit later on, and I know sometimes you guys do and a lot of times you don't, but that's okay. Uh, number to call is area code 646-716-4667. Uh, again, that's 646-716-4667. We'd love to have you join the conversation. And don't forget to email me any questions or comments about the program to ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And uh, for some reason, if you uh, want to come on the program and uh, maybe you're in the golf profession, whether you're a teaching professional, a coach, uh, or somebody that's in the uh, business side of golf and you want to come on and share some of your insight uh, about the game or maybe an interesting product you want to share with my audience, I would be more than happy to uh, entertain that possibility and uh, set you into the schedule. So you can, again, you can reach out to me at uh, ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And as most of you know that uh, tune in regularly, uh, I keep you all updated on social media. So you can go to Facebook and go to Golf Talk Live blog. That's the home page. And I re- uh, post the show each and every week with my guests and who's going to be on the show and a little bit about what we're going to be talking about. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. That's CEO in capital letters. And thank you to all of the recent uh, followers uh, on Twitter. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Um, as I said, I got a great uh, Coach's Corner panel discussion coming up here. Um, guy that's been on here a number of times, uh, no stranger to the panel, uh, Pete Buchanan. He's the founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf LLC. Uh, the Plain Simple Golf, of course, houses the Plain Simple Golf uh, circuit and Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace, uh, two great uh, devices. 
teaching here over the last 30 years. Pete's uh, been around the business for a long time, and really his approach is to simplify the golf swing. That's his philosophy, and an effort to do so, uh, make the game a little bit uh, simpler for, for you folks out there. So always glad to have Pete on the, on the panel. And new to the panel, but uh, not new to Golf Talk Live, he was a guest uh, a little bit earlier on, uh, Mike Fay. He's the PGA Director of Player Performance at Boyne Golf Academy. And he's got 20-plus uh, years of teaching experience himself. And it's uh, certainly easy to see with all that he's got going on uh, why Mike has uh, become a leader in the world of golf instruction. Uh, he d- dabbles in everything from cutting-edge social uh, media networking techniques to having a mobile app as well. And we'll talk to him a little bit about that throughout the program. Uh, he's really helped to make uh, some great changes to the face of teaching golf. Uh, so let me bring the panel on. Uh, Mike and, and Pete, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Ted. Thanks for having us on again. Thank Appreciate you, Ted. It. Not a problem. Thanks, guys, for, for, for doing this. As always, as I, I, uh, as I mentioned, I appreciate you guys giving of your time. Uh, also, let me just very quickly before we start, guys, uh, a little bit later in the show, I'm going to be uh, interviewing, of course, uh, Joseph DiChiara. He is a PJ Class A member as well, uh, also on the advisory board for uh, KVEST and uh, BodyTrack. He's on their advisory board as well. And uh, he's actually going to be calling in from Thailand. He's over there right now working on a, uh, a great junior program. We're going to talk a little bit about that when he comes on. That's going to be in the second hour uh, following Coach's Corner, so make sure you stay tuned for that. And then also in between, I'm going to be talking about, uh, some of you may recall from the last couple of uh, episodes, uh, the Thursday night of the Masters, of course, I launched a great contest uh, with my good friend, Mr. Byron Casper, son of legendary Billy Casper. Uh, we talked about it's the Major Champions Couples Contest. It's for couples, obviously. And uh, it's a great uh, great opportunity to, to visit the San Diego, California area and uh, visit uh, some great golf courses there and uh, stay at a couple of very unique and interesting bed and breakfasts as well. That's all going to be included. And essentially, uh, the, the object of the contest, I'll get into more details a little bit later, is to pick who you think is going to win the major champions uh, events this year, everything from the Masters right through to the PGA Championship. And for each uh, correct answer, we're going to throw you into a hat, so to speak, and draw your name. And uh, the winning uh, individual, of course, he and his, his or her spouse, uh, is going to be able to uh, go to San Diego and spend some, some great uh, time there, uh, compliments of, uh, of the different facilities and so forth. But I'll read that out a little bit later on. Um, guys, I want to get on to uh, a specific topic that I, I touched base on a little bit before, uh, you know, before we came on live, and it's really about handicaps. Um, you know, there's still a lot of folks trying to break through the glass ceiling, if you will. Uh, we've seen everything from changes uh, in technology And despite these changes and advancement in teaching and coaching techniques, uh, the handicaps uh, remain relatively the same uh, for many, many folks out there. So we're going to answer the big question why um, you feel that is, but we're going to also tackle some of the areas that I think contribute to that, everything from technology, teaching and coaching, equipment, uh, even the golf ball, course design, and of course, player participation and uh, practice and so forth. So um, Pete, I'm going to start off with you very, very quickly just maybe a, a brief overview of why you think so many people still struggle uh, with sort of bringing those handicaps down. Well, I think in, in an overall picture, if you, if you can see what's out there, we've got technology that's increased. We've got biomechanical research. We have um, 3D type of research, um, launch monitors, um, all kinds of technology coming. The cameras are as, as good as they can get. And, yeah, I think in, in, to a certain extent we lose a little bit of commonality in the instruction itself 
and mm-hmm. and pretty much in the simplicity of it. And I think the students sitting in the middle looking at all of this stuff going, well, I see all this technology, I see all this information, what do I do with it? Um, and so what I've seen a lot of is, and I've always, I've been fortunate enough to, to work with John Jacobs and learn cause and effect, and I think a lot of that is not being taught as much as it used to be. So I think right. as a whole, the students are not getting the information they need to improve themselves and the understanding they need as to why they do what they do. And I think that's a big important piece that uh, I see is missing in a lot of the instruction is it's great to, you know, put all this out there. I use the technology myself. I'm not going to say I don't. But right. I think it, it needs to be uh, back into a, a simplified process so that the students can understand exactly what they're doing, why they're doing it, and most of all, how to fix it so they can yeah. fix it on their own. Yeah, so well, well what said. Been, I've been doing yeah, and and I agree with that. And and you know, we're we're let me just preface this before Mike, I, I get you to jump in here as well. You know, I want to preface the, the conversation tonight. It, it's certainly not to, um, you know, discourage anybody from using the technology or, um, you know, a, adapting the technology. Whether, you know, if you're a teacher professional or if you're a student, um, we're certainly not saying you shouldn't use it. But there there is a proper place for it and a proper way it, it needs to be used and and uh, articulated to the students. Um, but what we want to do is we want to really examine because there has been a lot of changes, Mike. As I know you're, you know, you're very up on a lot of the technology, uh, also with social media and so forth. Um, so you're right in the thick of things, uh, each, you know, each and every day at, at uh, the Boyne Academy. And yet, you know, with all of this great information out there, what are some of your reasons? Do you think that that so many people still struggle with with bringing down their handicaps? Yeah, I think uh, a a big part of that, and I totally agree with everything uh, Pete just said. Absolutely, you know, I I try to um, make sure that my my students know why they're doing what they're doing and how to fix it themselves. And and uh, you know, I think technology enhances that. There's no question. We have mm-hmm. some of the best technology in the world at Boeing with gears and TrackMan and all this stuff and and TPI and everything else. You know, I I have the biggest improvements in players that are committed to coming back on coaching programs. And I think that, you know, one lesson doesn't do it. Right. I think that coming in and developing a relationship with your coach, um, that's, that's a big part of what I do, Ted, you know, with me through Mm -hmm. social media and things like that, developing that relationship, spending some time on it and, you know, creating a holistic approach to getting better at golf. And I've seen huge improvements in players when we do that. Um, you know, just one, one lesson just doesn't do it anymore or, you know, a couple. It's a, it's a commitment on the player's level to be able to play, you know, more, put the time into getting better at golf. Um, you know, there, there are downsides to playing golf, right? I mean, it takes yep. a long time to play golf sometimes, right? So, you know, going in there and, and, and doing that and develop relationships is a huge part to lowering p- players' handicaps, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and uh, well said as well, Mike. Um, I, I agree wholeheartedly with both of you. I, I think that there's a lot of great coaches out there, um, and not just, you know, the top five or so, but a lot throughout the industry that I think have a, a general understanding or a good grasp of, of the technology. And I think for the most part, they're all using it in the correct fashion. And I'm, I'm sure there's some that, that maybe are, are struggling a little bit. 
but let's talk a little bit about technology. You know, um, Mike, as you'd mentioned, there, you know, there's TrackMan and there's there's all kinds of uh, FlightScope and, and everything else out there. And you've mm-hmm. got uh, Pete, Pete, as you had mentioned as well, you've got uh, camera technology, which is you know second to none right now. Um, what should we be doing with that technology, and what shouldn't we be doing with that technology? Um, Pete, I'm going to let you give your perspective, and then Mike, I want you to um, to talk about that. Well, I think from a, an overall standpoint, I, I agree with what uh, Mike was saying. I mean, technology is a huge help. Um, there's so many different things that you can get the, the participants to see that they couldn't see before, uh, simply from looking at all the different ball flights, uh, characteristics that you can pull out, um, the slowed down video. And so I think it's a really, really good piece to have, that technology. And I think what's important is that when you use the technology that it's it's presented in a fashion that uh, as we talked about before it stays right. in a simple way of getting them to understand that we're using this technology this is what the technology says and this is how it's going to relate back to you and your impact and what we need to do to correct what's going on with with your game so i think if if we can always use it in a in a fashion that really enhances their view of what they see and what they do, I think then it's a, it's a slam dunk to use the technology for right with, without question. Um, so to me, it's always about um, using the technology as an enhancement to what I already can, have, have seen. You know, I'm a, I'm an old school guy with, you know, coming from the ball flight of being taught by John Jacobs, but right. you know, the technology is also there to, to assist in that. And um, you know, to make sure that, you know, what we see is what we see. And, uh, you know, trying to keep that then again, to put it into a perspective for the student to best enhance what they're going to do. Right. Yeah. And I I agree, uh, again, 100% with that, Pete. Um, You know, Mike, let's let's take it from a slightly different approach. Is the information, you know, you know, here I am, I'm the student and, and, you know, you've got me hooked up to every every uh, monitor and and whatnot that's going on here. Uh, and all these mm-hmm. figures are, are jumping at me, and all these this visual uh, keys are, are coming in. What do I do with it now? What do I do with this information? Um, you know, how do I process that? Obviously, you know, you're going to be there guiding me through the process. But um, is the is the technology um, designed more to assist the coach, or is it more for the student to to rely on? Yeah, I mean, I I think the technology, um, you know, I don't use technology in every time I see someone. I, right. You know, that's just me. I just don't. I think it's used as a measurement device, not only to see if I'm doing a good job as their coach, but to see if they're doing a better job and show them improvement. Um, you know, we can always show them on video, but when you show them numbers and things like that, so, you know, that's why I say, like, I might use TrackMan once every four times with a student, maybe, mm. just to see what's going on. So, I mean, it's not every shot, every swing I take a video, all that stuff, because I know that change takes time. And, you know, if if we can, maybe maybe the problem is, is, is you know, with their body and their golf fitness and things like that. So every person is totally different. You know, I don't, I don't have a mold to, you know, some sort of swing method or anything else that I'm trying to get someone to do. It's what they need to do for themselves. So the technology part of it, 
um, helps me to measure and and see what's going on and and see what their progress is. Yeah, and and uh, again, well said. I think one of the things, and, and Mike, I'm gonna so take a deep breath, Mike, because we're gonna start back with you on on this next part of the question. So <laughs> just to, just to mix things up a little bit, I think we're, we're gonna talk from the teaching and, and coaching aspect, and and the reason why I want to start with you, Mike, is you you made an interesting comment. You talked about really uh, more of a, a coaching platform, uh, and I and you know it's not just sort of this one lesson here and there sort of philosophy anymore. And I think, you know, years ago, it, it was a little bit easier to get away with that. But I think in, in today's um, society, I think if you want somebody to become a better player, there has to be a commitment, obviously, on the player's part, but also on the uh, teach professional, they have to be willing to uh, spend more time. And it's not just, you know, mm-hmm. let's go up to the tee box here and, and let's see what you can do with the driver and so forth. There's a bigger commitment mm-hmm. involved. So let's right. talk about some of the things that, that maybe need to change uh, and maybe have been changing in, in, in the uh, teaching side of things, the coaching side of things. Uh, are the days of, of, you know, a lesson here and there, are they pretty much gone by the wayside? Um, and and are we're moving into a different phase of, of, of golf profession now. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it, it has because we found out, you know, I, let's take a, an example, Ted. Um, and you know, if my daughter goes and takes, uh, takes dance classes, you know, it's, it's a number of classes to learn to dance. Yeah. It's not just one and, you know, any kind of junior golf instruction and things like that. So, you know, we've learned that it does take that time commitment, uh, to play better golf, um, there are some things that can be fixed in a few times that you see someone, but if you really want to get better, you need need to find a coach and sign up with one and, and keep playing with one. So I'm seeing that trend amongst us. I'm seeing that, you know, the coaching programs that are coming yep. out and that not only are they just not coaching programs that say, okay, you sign up here, you get to see me on track man once and, and this one, right. and that, no, it's what the player needs. You know, and and when that player, if that player, sometimes I might see someone and they might not touch a golf club for the three first three sessions that I see them because we're working on functional movement and being able to move better and things like that, you know, and then all of a sudden we introduce the golf club later. So, you know, it, it's totally different. Every player is different in their development, where what level they are, how old they are, um, everything. It's... uh it's pretty cool to watch when people get better, though. I mean, that's why we love to teach, right? So, well, exactly, right, exactly. And you know, I think that the other thing too, um, Pete, that that we run into, uh, and, and I like what you said, Mike. I think it's right on. I think we have to. Um, sometimes it's not all about swinging a golf club. Sometimes there's other things that that have to be discussed as well, and and it's a process. It you know, if if you want to become a better player. Um, number one, you have to be willing to make the commitment and you have to be willing to, to put the time in and the effort in. And it's not just a matter of, you know, a coach or, or teaching pro saying, okay, you need to do this or you need or watch me doing this. Um, you know, you need to get your hands dirty, so to speak, as well. And you need to get out there. And we're going to talk about practicing and stuff in a few minutes. But, um, you know, Pete, one of the other things, too, I think, with, with a lot of people, uh, and even in the, the teaching side of things, is – 
there has been sort of that one size fits all for quite some time now where let's let's get everybody into the same mold let's everybody swing look the same and the truth of the matter is everybody's body type i mean from the three of us here our body types are all different so you might swing slightly different than i will yes the general mechanics might be somewhat uh similar and and of course uh the the fundamentals but essentially the swings are going to be somewhat different from one another just because of our, our body types has that been a factor as well, do you think, in, in preventing people from getting their handicaps is that the industry or some in the industry have sort of tried to mold that one-size-fits-all type mentality? Well, I'm sure there's a lot to that. Um, you know, as, as instruction has involved, evolved, I think you have to take that into consideration that, you know, there are so many different body types. But I think from my point of view when looking at it, I look at it from an impact standpoint. So I'm trying to get the club and the balls relationship to work properly. And so I'm going to focus on getting that done in the quickest, most efficient, repeatable way I can get it done uh, Mm -hmm. based on what my players are looking for. So I don't necessarily say I have a method other than the fact I'm trying to get the impact correct based on what I want. Now, you know, I can look at it from I want the face square, I want the path pretty neutral, and I want, you know, a good level solid contact. And they might say, well, I want to hit, you know, left to right fades. So, okay, well then let's, uh, here's what we have to do. That's the impact that you're looking for. This is what's necessary. So I've always looked at it from an impact standpoint, but I think, I think you are right. I think when you try to generalize the overall instruction and fit it into a mass of people, you're going to run into trouble um, because yeah. they're just not all going to fit. And I think to that point, I think so much of the instruction has been based on what the tour players are doing. And that's been a huge detriment to the masses. Because they can't do it. Right. Uh, they can't move like those tour players move. And so they can have the same impact control that a tour player can, but they can't necessarily do it under the same movements. And so I think you have to look at it to, if, if you want to, I, I remember a great quote by, by John Jacobs. He said, I can teach you how to hit it like Nicholas, but you still have to learn how to play like he does. I mean, it's right. a great quote. <laughs> but, um, you know, you can, and that means I can teach you the impact that he has. And that's really where I think, the the crossroad is going to move forward. And I think what Mike was talking about with finding a coach, I think that's where it's going to move forward to getting it more impact oriented and getting the changes to the impact and not necessarily worrying about all the different body functions that are out there. I think if we can get the impact right, the body functions will take care of themselves. I think they're going to be much happier, more consistent, better playing uh, uh, golfers for sure. Yeah. And and I agree with that. Um, I I think one of the, the concerns that I've had for a long time, and, and, and you're right, it's starting to, to move in a different direction now. I think the industry is starting to realize that there isn't this sort of one size. And, and you, you hit it right on the head, uh, Pete, with your comment about um, sort of taking a, a, a step from the the, uh, the tour players. Um, you know, it's it's great to to pick up little tidbits here and there, and it's great to show. Um, showcase some of the tour players, certain aspects of, of their swing, but to try and mold somebody into a tour player that just doesn't have the ability and, and doesn't have the time to, to make that commitment is doing them a, a disservice. And I think that's, you know, we, we watch these guys, you know, week in, week out uh, playing, you know, everything from the Masters to whatever, you know, events are, are going on in between that and the next major. But the problem is that these guys are out there every day, not only playing, 
but they're also practicing and working on different areas, not just hitting balls. They're working on other areas of physical fitness, training, and so forth, that they're able to overcome some of the hurdles that our average high handicapper can't do in you know, a weekly golf lesson. So, you know, there's a lot of factors involved. And the next one, um, Pete, I'm going to go back to back with you on this one. Uh, we're, we're talk about equipment. Um, has equipment helped um, in some ways and has it hurt in some ways um, the handicaps of, of some of the golfers out there? And, and let's throw the golf ball in there as well um, with, with the changes there because it, essentially it, it's part of the equipment as, as well. Um, what are your thoughts on equipment? Well, nowadays, there's so much available in, in club fitting that it, it can't help but help the players. I mean, there's so many different combinations. The clubs can be adjusted so many different ways now from, you know, the drivers can be adjusted, you know, yeah. uh, fairway woods to things that you could never do before. Um, other than, you know, you know the old irons I started with, you hit about six shots and you had to check the lie again. You know, those things <laughs> move all over the place. Um, right. You know, way back when, but you know, I know strictly for me, I mean, just this past January at the PGA show, I went through a fitting uh, with, with one of the top fitters in the country. And just by, you know, changing the shaft a little bit around from, from what I thought I should have to what should be there, you know, it's an extra, you know, 12 yards per iron. So, I mean, yeah, wow. I think the technology today is so much better. There's so many different options that can be available. And the fittings are more readily available, especially with the, the ball flight uh monitors that can look at the, the technology to help the fitting. Uh, I don't think the equipment is a detriment uh, to, to the handicap, so I think it's a help. Um, right. And the golf ball itself, too, I mean, goodness, the ball goes so darn far anymore. I mean, it's, it should be a help for that to, for how far they can hit it. Um, you know, it, and it, it may be a case that, you know, there's so many different types of balls that, you know, it may take somebody you know, some time to find one that, you know, suits them the best. I always try to keep it real simple. If you want to hit it further, make it harder. And if you want to spin it more, make it softer. So I, right. depending on what, what you want to do, um, you know, I always get the ones that are playing, you know, top flight XL. who say, I can't back this ball up. I said, I don't think you can back it up in a pool, that ball, as hard as it is. <laughs> um, so, you know, it really depends. So, yeah, in that case, maybe the ball is a little bit, uh, you know, a detriment. If they already slice it, you don't want a ball that spins more because um, right. it'll curve it more. So in that degree, yes. But I think overall, from an equipment standpoint, um, I think it's there's there's so much better than it has been, and there's so many different options. I think it's a great benefit for the players today. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think, um, Mike, I think uh, Pete raised a, an interesting or made a, an interesting comment uh, throughout his answer that I think that I want to approach it with you um, a little bit differently, and that is the fitting process. Today's technology mm-hmm. uh, is certainly more advanced. I think where it is, a, where the equipment is a detriment to uh, one's handicap is a lot of people are going out and buying, you know, the latest and greatest equipment, but maybe not getting mm-hmm. fitted properly. And I think that's really what maybe some of the cause and effect is: is not being properly fitted with the equipment you have. Do you agree with that? And and if so, how do we? help people to understand that it's not just about going out and buying, you know, a new set of clubs. It's about making mm-hmm. sure that you're buying the right set of clubs for you. Yeah. We don't uh, want to necessarily play with what Ricky Fowler plays with. Right. Um, you know, and you know, when we go through a fitting with players and using gears and, and track band and things like that, 
Yeah, there's no doubt, Pete. We can increase people's distance and and get them to hit it closer to the center of the face just with club fitting alone. Um, But also, I'd like to make a point, too, that, you know, we also have, uh, you know, our fitters are working with our coaches. So what is the player working on? What are we trying to do? I mean, they're, you know, very interesting story. I have a, a player I've been working with for about four years now. And got to the point where, hey, I gotta grab your driver and and take the face from being a few degrees close to square because now we're hitting it better. Right, uh, things like that have happened that I see, you know, which is fantastic. Um, so fitting is fa- is really good for the players, um, as far as trying to keep the golf ball on the golf course. But at the same time, you got to work with your coach too. Your coach yeah. has to look at it and see, you know. I mean, I've seen a lot of players that, you know, get fit into the standard lie clubs when they really should be, you know, maybe flatter or more upright. I see players that, you know, uh, clubs are too long or too short for them, things like that, and when they go and they buy it off the rack. So fitting is so important uh, to helping your coach help you play better. You know, you can't you can't teach someone to run when they're in the wrong size shoe. It's tough. Right. It's yeah, tough and, and that, that, yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent point. You know, if, if you – if you look at most other, um, you know, if you look at from a business standpoint, you know, if you want to be an accountant, you know, there are certain tools of the trade. If you want to be an auto mechanic, um, you know, whatever the case, a welder, you know, whatever the case is, there are certain tools that go in and you want to make sure that you have the proper tools in order to do your job. I mean, you're not going to give an accountant a wrench and say, okay, here, you know, do my taxes. Um, you know, conversely, you're not going to give, um, you know, the mechanic uh, a calculator and, uh, you know, the next, the latest uh, IRS, um, you know, deductions and have them fix your car. So, you know, you, you need to make sure that you're fitted with the proper tools. And, and even I think the selection of the equipment is important for uh, the coach to be involved in. You know, a lot of times we get caught up again, you mm-hmm. know, Pete and, and you both have said, where we get caught up in seeing what Ricky Fowler or some of the other pros are playing and maybe they're endorsing certain products and that's fine, but Mm -hmm. that may not necessarily be the right product for you. Um, And again, I mean, the manufacturers have so much available, I'm sure within that wheelhouse of of that manufacturer, you can find something, but just because somebody on tour is playing a forged iron doesn't necessarily mean that you should be playing a forged. Maybe you need uh, something that's uh, a little bit more forgiving, uh, a little bit bigger club face, and the same thing, you know, just because so-and-so is playing the number one, uh, you know, tailor-made driver doesn't necessarily mean that's the best fit for you. So there's a lot of components involved. And I think one of the areas, Pete, um, as I said, you know, if, the, if they're not being fitted properly uh, and just going out and buying it, that certainly can be a detriment to their handicaps because they're just going to go out there and be flailing around the golf course, not hitting solid, uh, you know, shots. And, and playing their best golf because they don't have the right equipment in hand. So, uh, you know, equipment, whether it be the ball or the, the uh, irons or, or the woods, uh, are certainly can be detrimental to the handicap if not properly fitted. Otherwise, you're right on the money, Pete. I think that uh, once they've been properly fitted uh, and had some, some good coaching in hand, uh, then the sky's the limit. So uh, I, I agree with both, uh, both no, comments. 
Um, the other area that I that I want to touch on a little bit before we we wind it up with um, with the players' participation themselves is course design. Has course design and, and Mike, I'll let you start this one off. Has mm-hmm. course design been a little bit of a detriment? Do you think? Uh, in, in, in the handicaps of some of the golfers out there. I mean, you know, when I played, when I was growing up a little bit younger, you know, you might be more familiar with this up in, in parts of Michigan, some of your traditional golf courses, you know, uh, mm-hmm. something like a pine, like a Pinehurst, for, for example. Uh, a lot of their mm-hmm. facilities there are sort of your traditional design course. Then lo and behold, the Pete Dyes of the world and some of the others out there decided that they wanted to make courses longer. They wanted to make them a little bit more difficult. That certainly has been a, uh, a major factor. Uh, would you agree with with uh, some of the handicap issues? Absolutely, you're seeing courses a lot, a lot of them over the last few years starting to soften their golf courses, right? And they have to because you know we used to think it would be fun to play something hard. Well, it's not fun, so <laughs> we have to uh, soften the golf courses and and do all those things that it's more player friendly to get more people to play. Um, you know, if someone has a bad experience, they don't want to come back. So, you know, that's that's really important to course design, you know, and and I think things have changed over the last few years. Absolutely. Back in the 80s, you know, it, it, it was different, right? I mean, it was, right. oh, we got to go play there. That place is tough, you know. Well, it's not fun. So, you know, softening <laughs> up the golf courses is, is going to be more fun. And that's what it's well, yeah, and, and I think Pete, one of the things that um, that I would ag- agree with there is is you know some changes had to be made. And, and don't get me wrong; I mean it's beautiful to see a lot of these great golf courses that have been built, and, and there were some great visionaries that had designs, and obviously they were building it um, more for um, you know in their minds. I think they thought that the recreational player would love to come to these great resort courses, and that which they certainly do. Um, but as Mike suggested, you know, a lot of them got there and, and gosh, they were tough. And I think one of the ways of combating that initially was, well, we'll put some extra tee boxes on there and they can just play from four tees. But the truth of the matter is when you've got, you know, a dozen or so bunkers lining the fairway uh, all the way up to the green and uh, you've got all kinds of rough and, and things to contend with that you didn't used to have. Uh, it can be pretty challenging for a lot of uh, some of your high handicappers out there, and that certainly, as Mike suggested, has deterred a lot of people from from having fun and wanting to come back. So, you know, what are some things that I guess that you would suggest? I mean, you're not going to dismantle all of the courses; they're out there. What would you suggest to, to players out there that maybe have a tough time with some of these more modern courses uh, to be able to handle and, and enjoy their game, but also to be able to score uh, a little easier as well? Well. First of all, if you start off by, you mentioned it yourself, there's more than one set of tees. You know, the yeah. back tees at most golf courses are where the tour players would play from, and and maybe the scratch players. Uh, everybody else should move forward from there. Um, I just turned 50 a little while ago, so I got to move up. I don't play back there anymore. The, the guys right. in my age group play, play, play closer up. You know, I always said, you know, start on the front tees, and, and when you can shoot far, move back. So, I mean, by, by shortening the golf course a little bit, they can, you know, make some of that more to their advantage. In some courses, by moving up, it takes a little bit of the trouble out of play from where they'll hit it, whereas if they back up to the back tees, the, play, the, the trouble comes more into play for where they're going to drive it to. So I think it's a, it's a benefit for their own game. And, yeah, you know, I, I guess there's a little bit of an ego factor in there. I don't want to move sure. up a set of tees, but, you know, I don't want to <laughs> shoot 95 either. 
um, right. or 105 or, or 10 strokes above what I normally do just because there's a, another set of – I'm looking back and there's more tees. You know, so right. I think from a, a, a standpoint in that, they can they can move up to make the golf course, you know, fit a little bit better length. I always said, hey, if a tour player is going to hit a driver and a seven iron in his hole, why don't you tee off on a tee box so you can do the same? So what tee is that? You know, if you're really talking about trying to play it like the tour players play, then move up to where you can hit a driver in a seven. So, you know, it, and then softening the golf course, you know, a lot of that has happened. You know, there's, there's you know, some of the bunkers are, have gone away. There's not as much... Uh, uh, trouble, and I think in a lot of the golf courses they penalize the errant shots more right. because they were thinking, boy, if we get these tour players in here, you know, we can really make it good, make it tough. You'll penalize those. And what they did is they they took the average twenty handicapper and made them a thirty-two, you know, yeah. because it's just too hard. So I think you know I think they've come to realize that. I think as Mike mentioned, the golf courses are softening up. They're getting a lot. Uh, I wouldn't say they're totally easy, but they're getting easier to play, and I just think they're. They're just not so penalty oriented anymore for the Aaron Scott. Well, I know from you know just from removal of trees, you guys. I mean, just removing trees, right? Trees have grown in. You know, the golf course has gotten narrower, things like that. So, you know, yeah, softening up and you know, teeing it forward. Absolutely, that that definitely helps. You know, one of the things too I can remember playing uh, a number of years ago back home at a course, and. you know, hitting off a, an elevated tee and you really couldn't see where your ball was going to land because it went down into a valley. And I remember playing it for the very first time, this particular course and hitting what I thought was just the, you know, the perfect tee shot right down uh, just a little right of center, which was the ideal spot. And when I got down there, it was way yonder in the left side, not in the, in the fairway, but in the rough because what I didn't realize is, is there was about a, a 40 degree grade from the right side of the fairway to the left. And even though I hit the right side, it just funneled into that, um, you know, that, that collection area. And then of course ran through into the rough. So what I thought was, you know, a good tee shot ultimately ended up being a difficult second shot. And so I, I think the other thing that we have to look at uh, guys is, is, and and both of you can, can chime in on this one if you want is not just the design of the course, uh, but the playability, and I think that when people come to a golf course, now if you're playing your 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 um, you know your regular uh, home course all the time, you, you know the lay of the land. But if you're traveling, let's say you're coming down here south to Florida or out to to Scottsdale, and you're playing some courses for the first time, you know, grab a scorecard or talk to somebody in the pro shop and get an idea, get a lay of the land before you get out there and start you know hacking around the golf course. Get an understanding where where's the proper spot that you want to be laying up, or where do you want to position your tee shots? Because that's the other thing too. I think guys, when you get out there in a golf course that you're not familiar with, um, you don't really know the holes very well. You get out there and you think, okay, I just got to put it down the center of the fairway. Well, center of the fairway may not necessarily be the best option. You may need to be left or right a little bit, or a little shorter or a little longer, depending on the circumstance. Um, Mike, what do you think about that? Absolutely, yeah. Knowing the golf course is a is <laughs> You know, the more you play it, the probably easier it feels like it gets, right? So getting out in there and having knowledge of where to place your shots at, um, even every day when the flag locations change, you know, um, just knowing where you have to be on the greens, things like that, definitely help your score for sure. Yeah, and, and, and Pete, I think you would agree as well. I think obviously the more the player knows the lay of the land, so to speak, I think that's going to give them an, an advantage. But 
Um, you know, what are some things that you try to do to get your students to, to really, um, you know, obviously you're working on the mechanics and you're working on good contact and that, but when they're out on that golf course, what are some, some mental cues that you give them to say what they need to be thinking about when they're playing these holes? Do you say, okay, you need to look at where I want to position my shot off the tee, where I want to, uh, you know, leave myself, uh, you know, for that ideal uh, second shot into the green. What are some of the things that you try to articulate to your students? Well, what I do is I have them come up with a game plan for how they're going to play the golf course. Um, right. Take the scorecard. Nowadays, it's great. I mean, you can even get some great pictures of the holes, and you can really lay it out to the length of the holes. Um, and I like to break the golf course into, into six three-hole events. And mm-hmm. let's look at it three holes at a time. And depending on the level of player, I say, well, in these three holes, you should be, you know, even par, one over par, one under par, depending on what, what your level is, and really break the holes down and, and look at it to where, you know, if you're, going to be, if you're going to be greedy, don't be greedy on this hole because you'll end up with, you know, two over what you normally shoot. And so I, I really like them to break it down because I think not only by breaking it down, it gives them a game plan, but I think from a mental standpoint, it helps them to relax a little bit because they have, they have a plan of attack to go out onto the golf course to, to make it happen. You know, there are sometimes I'll tell them, I said, you know, this is this is a short par four, but there's no way, no reason you should hit a driver off this hole. I mean, the fairway's narrow. There's a lot of trouble, and so your best bet is to hit a long iron or a hybrid instead. You know, so it's really getting them to understand the golf course and what's going on, and how it relates back to their own individual game, and just coming up with a game plan to make it work. Yeah, you're, you're right. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, you're exactly right, and it goes back to you know what you said about uh about Nicholas earlier i mean you can you know you can teach them how to hit like nicholas but you can't teach them how to play like nicholas and you know it boils down to their course management how their you know their game plan what they're going to come in to that round of golf for and and what they're going to do it's not just about hitting and making solid contact that's again works in with the tools and works in with the equipment but you also have to have a strategy when you go out there and i like the fact that you talked about six three three hole rounds um, here recently, over the last uh, several weeks, um, Cindy Miller and I, of course, who co-hosts with me on the Women of Golf show on Tuesday mornings, we've interviewed a number of, of young Symmetra Tour players uh, who have indicated that's sort of a, a philosophy that they have is that they play, they break down the round into small mini rounds within the round, and it helps them focus on the very things that you talked about, Pete, is 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 not just sort of looking at the overall round, but looking at it and breaking it into those components, those smaller components, allows them to be able to focus. Now, some of them don't do it in three. Some of them might do it in six. But uh, nevertheless, they break those rounds down, and that's how they, they build a strategy or a game plan, as you suggested, and have obviously yielded much better results as, as a result of that. So I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, let, let, I want to move on because we, we're time's going by real quick here, believe it or not. Uh, the last two, and I'm going to sort of wrap them in together, is player participation and practice. Um, Mike, I'm going to go back to you here. Um, you know, one of the things that, that's happened here lately, uh, we've looked over the last few years, if you look at any of the stats, and again, it depends on where you are in the country. Some areas may not be showing it as much as others, but uh, player participation ha- has gone down. The rounds of golf have gone down overall, uh, and a lot of it, the culprit is time. People just don't have as much time, but also there's a cost factor as well. Um, and I think that people are, are discouraged with some of the issues that we talked about here earlier throughout the evening. 
Um, some people have become discouraged. Uh, you know, they're not maybe fitted with the proper equipment. They're playing on difficult courses, uh, and they're just not having fun. So how do we encourage? What do we do to encourage as an industry? And what are you doing maybe specifically in your area to encourage people to come out and play more? Yeah, well, one of the big things that we do at Boyne is uh, family fun days on Sundays where, where uh, we welcome families to come out and play our golf courses, um, you know, getting the kids out to play more. You know, as far as me and my coaching, I'm out, with, out on the golf courses more than I ever have been with my players, which really helps them um, to get out there. You know, as far as growing the game of golf and getting more people interested, you know, can it, myself, what I've been doing is connecting with my students more. Um, you know, there's, there's no doubt we had talked about it before, Ted, is, you yep. know, that thing that's in your hand is holding you back from playing more golf sometimes, um, yep. which <laughs> – it's, it is. Technology has kind of been a detriment to getting more people out playing golf. There's no doubt. But if I can stick it in their face, um, maybe they'll come out and play more golf, um, which is which is pretty neat that way uh, through technology. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's there's sort of a pros and cons. Pete, uh, please jump in here as well. You know, there's pros and cons to the technology. I'm not talking about the golf technology. I'm just talking about technology and social media and things like that that is really stolen. And, and, and I think one of the, the, the problems that the golf industry is facing right now, and I think this is why they're trying to branch out into so many different areas with even reality golf and things like that, is they're trying to compete with a, a social media giant with Facebook and Twitter and all these other forms, Instagram, uh, for people's time, and you know, mm-hmm. people in our are in our age bracket, Pete, and and even in yours, Mike, because I think you're a little bit younger than than uh, Pete and I. Um, but you know, the, we're under a different mindset. You know, we grew up with around golf. You know, our parents, uh, maybe our fathers, what have you, got us into golf, and sort of golf is in our blood, and we've taken on a, a different uh, persona, if you will. But in today's younger generation, particularly, it's it's e- extremely difficult to compete with all of the other uh, distractions out there, and even other sports uh, have become more aggressive as well. So um, in, in your estimation, Pete, what are some things that you're trying to do on your end to get people just to come out and, and try it and, and just to uh, embrace golf a little bit more? Well, I think a lot of it, uh, you know, is taking advantage of that social media. I mean, for me, it's being able to, to mm-hmm. get the word out to more people, um, on a on a simpler basis, I mean, you take Facebook, take Twitter, you can get to a lot of people in a short period of time. Sure. Um, and I use the technology to my advantage too, especially with all of my <clears throat> players, because I have uh, I've teamed up with Edufy, which is a great content uh, space, and um, I've got all kinds of training spaces in there, and, and all of my participants are loving going through there and seeing all the videos we put out there uh, when they're practicing. If they forget something, they can pull it right up. So talking what Mike was saying, you know, put the put the technology right in their face. Yeah, I'm going to put it in there. Let's use it. I mean, we, we yeah. can't fight it, so let's use it to our advantage. How do we right. get that technology for them to look at it? They can easily look at it on, when they're practicing and playing as they can when they're sitting all on the couch. So I think if if we can use it in a in a, in a way that's going to make it more accessible for for golf in itself, and to to make the instruction a little bit more. Um, 
I say accessible to them that way with, with video analysis and recaps. And I'm always sending stuff to my players. Um, I'm putting things in. Uh, I know Mike does the same, you know, putting quotes in and different, different videos and just saying, Hey, what about this? What do you guys think about that? I think it's, right. a, it's a really cool thing that we can use to use the, the social media to our advantage rather than trying to, you know, go negative on it. It's not going away. So we need to take full, full out advantage of all of that that we can. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, yeah. building that, getting those players, you know, interested because it is, I mean, that the technology is, it is fantastic. I mean, and things just like you said, be edified. Awesome. I use it yes. all the time and yeah. uh, it just keeps them coming back to you. And that's really what we want to do is, is keep players coming back playing golf and uh, always, always having it there helps. Right. And, and, you know, the other thing, and the one sort of negative thing I'm going to say about social media, and, and I know that you'll both agree with this when, when you hear what I have to say, but I think one of the things that is detrimental um, to this industry is using social media to vent. Um, and I'm talking about some of the coaches out there, some of the, the instructors. We've all seen it in the groups and that. I think healthy discussion and debate is good, but I think that a lot of people in the industry need to be careful um, because as, as everybody knows with social media, once you put it out there, it's very difficult to reel it back in. So for any of you coaches and, and teaching pros that are listening to the program out there or may tune in at, at a later point, um, you know, it, it's it's okay to disagree sometimes with, with your fellow professional, but I think you also have to keep it civil because it's not just you or I or Pete or Mike that might be uh, following these groups. There's a lot of golfers out there that follow these groups as well on social media, especially Facebook and Twitter. And if you're getting into, you know, Twitter wars with your fellow golf uh, teaching pro and, uh, you know, because you disagree on, on certain technology or you disagree with, with uh, certain philosophies, um, it can have a negative impact as well. And it certainly doesn't bear well uh, for the industry as a whole. So that's a side of the, the social media, I think, that you both would probably agree with that we need to really clean up. Uh, and, and I would, you know, one of the things that I really wish um, that even some of the uh, associations, whether it be the PGA or the USGTF, needs to have a closer monitoring, much like business. I'll give you a good example. You know, most banks now, they follow social media very closely because they want to see what their employees are doing. I think the um, accredited so, uh, organizations like PGA, USGF, um, you know, uh, Titleist uh, and all these other groups need to closely monitor social media because I think there are a lot of members out there that get into these discussions that are not always uh, in the best interest for the industry. And I think they need to, um, you know, rein them in a little bit and say, hey, okay to disagree, but let's not get personal in, in some of the uh, the conversations. Um, guys, what do you think about that? Oh, I couldn't agree more. We see it all the time. There's several groups that uh, I can name you two specifically where you can see it going on all the time. And, yeah. you know, it's it's sad to see. Um you know whether whether they're right or wrong. You know it, and a lot of the things are just argumentative from a, just a standpoint of well, I don't think that's right, and I don't think this is right. But you know, I I, I do think it needs to be be more civil. Um, you know, I've been I've been I've, I'm guilty. I've been in the middle of some of those conversations as well. Um, but um, you know, I just think it's it's if we're going to truly grow the game and keep it moving forward, they need to see a, a camaraderie and a little bit better. Right. A conversation for all of us throughout those pieces and social media outlets. 
um, to to keep encouraging the players to come and play and participate. Yeah, and yeah, and, and I, there has. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, I I agree with all that stuff, guys. But there's also a side where there's some sharing of information that's kind of important as well that we don't Absolutely. talk about that as far as technology goes and things like that, that a lot of coaches are sharing, helping us become better coaches too. So, sure. um, you, you know, I, I don't agree with the, you know, the arguing stuff and you guys probably don't see me at all. I'm not, I'm not on there arguing and I'm on there no. learning and that's, <laughs> that's where, yeah. you know, it's, well, uh, and that's what it, it has to be that way. And, you know, right. I kind of take it for. this way with it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I think it should be for. And, you know, I I always think about this. You know, uh, what if your mom was reading this? What should she say? You know, I, that's that's what I try and do. And then, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of people that follow me that way, and and that's the way I approach social media. So, yeah, and, and, and I agree. It's it's as as both of you have said, and and I've said many times. It's it's just like every other part of the technology out there. It's a tool that can be used um, for business. It can be used for socializing. Whatever you know, you choose to use it for. Um, but it needs to be put in its proper context, and it needs to be done with a with a, an element of professionalism. And I think, for the most part, Mike, you're right. I think that for the most part, I think it's been it is a great learning tool. Um, but there is that small element out there that that use it for other purposes. And I think we just we need to be careful of that as well because it does not give a good mm-hmm. impression. And I'm like you, I, I, stay, I stay out of it for that very reason because. Um, you know, it, it can draw you in very easily if you're not careful. Um, very lastly, guys, because we, we've literally only got a few minutes left here, and then I want to give you guys a quick opportunity to, to uh, talk about yourselves very briefly. But um, the practice, of course, um, you know, Pete, that's another big area as well. Practice, people just don't put the time and effort in. Again, I know it's a time uh, restraint for a lot of people. Um, how can they make the most of their practice? I'll start if you if you yep. want to. Sorry, Pete. Yeah, that, know, yeah, that's what I've done this year is I have gone through. Um, I started off the year with uh, meeting with all of my participants. The, the the first meeting was no charge, and I went through uh, just a process of what do you want to do for 2016 and what are your goals. And we we really looked at what they wanted to do, and then I have built as going to the gym. I've built a workout for them to take what they want to achieve with the drills yep. that I have. So when they go practice, you're going to do drills A, B, and C. And yep. we were talking about Edify before, which is great because all of my drills are out on Edify. So they can pull those drills up at any time, anywhere they are to use them. And so they have a specific set routine that they run through. And I agree with what Mike was saying before. When they do this, their scores go down in a hurry. I mean, they really go down fast because they're getting consistent practice. They're repeating a lot of the different things that are necessary, and they're working on only the specific things that are going to improve their game the quickest. So that's what I've gone through, and I don't really do it any other way. Um, You talk about the individual lessons. I don't really do those anymore. They're coming to me. We're going to sit down. We're going to put a program together because it's only going to benefit them more. So as far as practice goes, I give them a specific set of things to do, and some games are thrown in there to make it a little bit more fun. And, um, you know, they're really having a great time, you know, running through these drills. And, and it's also great for more uh, questions because now it's more interactive out there on Edify with me and the, my participants because they'll go through a drill and say, hey, man, I really like that one, but I have a question about this. And so now they're getting more active and more interactive with the practice and, uh, and the questions and, and just more things coming to us. So I, I think it's a, it's a big deal to give them specific things to do 
And, um, you know, I've slipped to me. My guys are like going to the gym. They got a workout to do. Here it is. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's uh, well said, Pete. And, and I agree. I think you, you have to have a, um, a plan put together, a plan of action, if you will. And I think to do that beginning of the season like that, to, to sort of rally the troops, if you will, and, and get them, um, you know, thinking about what they want to accomplish in 2016 and then putting a game plan uh, and then obviously putting into motion. Mike, what about yourself? What are some of the things that you're uh, doing very similar or, or um, what are you doing to, uh, to to get the folks out there and making the best use of the practice time? Absolutely, yeah. I do a lot of the same things that Pete has been talking about as far as setting goals and things like that. And every player is different. Um depending upon what their, you know, their goals are and, you know, using things like Edgify. I also do and coach a lot of players that might see me only a few times a year, but then I am also online on Skype and FaceTime Mm -hmm. coaching them and things like that, which is unbelievable to be able to do that and keep in touch with them and see, you know, I might be in my, uh, you know, office here on Skype uh, with a golf club in my hand teaching them, you know, something. And and that's pretty neat to be able to say you can do that, and uh, yeah. you know keeping in touch with them like that and helping them through their program, uh, what they have to do to get better, um, you know keeping up with them on their tournaments and and things like that. Edify allowing them not it's not just one way communication between the coach and the player. It's player to coach. That's a big deal when the player yeah, can so send me stuff right. They can right. send me stuff and Easy. I can look at it or yeah. And they can send me their pictures of, you know, and sharing in their successes and their tournaments and their scoring barriers that they break and all those things all, you know, all together. It's uh it's pretty cool. So I'm doing a lot of the, the same stuff that Pete is doing, um, you know, online and embracing the education, all the stuff that, that we do with social media and all that stuff. Um, you have to change. You have to be able to change to to make these players better, and that's how Absolutely. we lower handicaps. Yeah, so, you, you're good. Great way to end the segment. Uh, thank you, guys. And and um, Mike, I'm going to since you're uh, still got some uh, wind in your sails, as it were, I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> and uh, and since you're a first timer on the panel, um, but great discussion. And and you know, I, I, let me just very quickly say before you do that, you know, the the purpose of these discussions, uh, I, I really want. Not just the, the you know the, hand, the high handicappers out there that are tuning into the program, but I want the other coaches and teaching professionals to listen to what um, others are doing in the profession. To maybe some things that uh, you talked about tonight, guys. Um, maybe they haven't used yet or are not familiar with, or maybe they're using it and say, "Hey, yeah, I like that." And and, and it, it helps to generate conversation within the industry as well. So that's the reason why I do these uh, panel discussions. It's not just to teach uh, people how to play better golf, but it's also to to inform. Uh, people within the industry um, to to reach out and communicate with one another and exchange of ideas and and I've had many many times uh, on the program um, professionals say you know and and link up with others that they maybe didn't know in the beginning but heard something of interest and they'll communicate after the show so that's the other reason why I do it but Mike um, what are some great things that you're looking forward to doing up there in Boyne uh, at the Boyne Academy in 2016 tell us uh, the folks out there how they can get a hold of you. Absolutely, yeah. The Boing Golf Academy. We've we've got uh, Boing Resorts owns uh, ten golf courses here in Northern Michigan. Uh, we coach at a couple different resorts. Uh, I am pretty excited about this summer coming on with our Nike Junior Camps and everything else we got going at Boing. 
Um, you can get a hold of me uh, on my website at uh, mikefagolf.com or check out everything that Boyne has to offer at boynegolf.com uh, for the summer. we got some really cool programs getting ready, and, and it's a ton of fun. No better place in northern Michigan for the summertime. Yeah, it's a beautiful area, that's for sure. And, and Mike, very quickly, you also have a – I know you have an app – and also, mm-hmm. you do uh, you have a discussion of your own going on on a weekly basis sure. uh, on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. Tell the folks uh, that might want to tune in or, or join in on that as well. How do they go about doing that? Absolutely, uh, you can send in questions for the Ask the Pro Show. It's Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, we do a weekly uh, question and answer with some of the world's best commentators instructors and players in the game. Uh, I am very blessed that they love to help out with this. We, uh, we really enjoy every week. It's such a great learning experience for everyone. We teach thousands of people golf every week. So you can check out my website, MikeFayGolf.com, and, and there, if you click on the Ask the Pro Show tab, it'll explain the show and send in questions every week. So pretty neat stuff on Twitter. Perfect. Great stuff. And, uh, and Pete, um, how can the folks uh, reach out to you and tell them a little bit about uh, what you've got cooking for this year? Well, I've gone to a, a more of a, as, as we talked about, a more of a coaching platform, not only from a face-to-face, but also online. I've got players all over the world I'm working with now on a, on a daily, weekly basis, um, you know, just over the internet. And uh, as Mike was talking about, you know, watching a player hitting in England while I'm sitting in my living room while it's snowing outside is, is fun, you know, yeah. giving them help. <laughs> Um, and so plainsimplegolf.com, P-L-A-N-E, plainsimplegolf.com is where they can find me. Um, you know, the, the program, and, and you know for me, I have also my simple swing repeater training brace that I invented, which is, you know, making huge strides for players to lower their scores quickly, um, you know, and it's in, in intertwined into the program. And so they can find out all that information on there. But, uh, you know, we've the, the coaching aspect I think is really important, and it's, it's taken somebody – um, getting them into a program, staying in touch with them, uh, having them have access to me, which is a lot easier through the, the different apps and, and uh, social media things that they can use. And it's just staying in touch with, with the players and uh, just having greater access to what's going on. And, and I think it's, it's really making a big impact um, for players. And the great part about the social media is they can reach me from anywhere. Uh, same with yeah. Mike. You know, all over the world they can find us and we can help them out, we can stay in touch, and so I think it's a, it's a great thing for people to take advantage of. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, and, and again, guys, thank you very much for, for joining me on the Coach's Corner panel tonight in Golf Talk Live. Um, uh, Pete Buchanan and Mike Fay, two great uh, professionals in the golf industry that uh, have joined ranks this evening to, to help us talk about a few areas uh, that can maybe help lower the handicaps out there. We've talked about everything from technology right through to practice. And you guys have given some great information out there, not only for the, for the high handicappers out there, but also uh, for your fellow uh, teaching uh, professional and coaches out there that maybe they can pick up some tips as well and, and share that information with one another. Cause that's really what it's all about here. Um, thanks guys for joining it. Uh, much continued uh, success, of course, for, for uh, the beginning of 2016 and I look forward to having you guys back on the Coach's Corner panel and as my guests uh, in future on Golf Talk Live. Thanks, guys. You bet. Thank you, Ted. Great being on, and uh, great being on with you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks, guys, and have a great evening. You, you too. too. Okay, those are my uh, 
guest panelists, Pete Buchanan and Mike Fay, um, on the Coach's Corner panel tonight in Golf Talk Live. And before I bring on my next guest, who I see is, is waiting in the wings here, um, I want to remind everybody, of course, uh, number one, of course, we're live every Thursday nights from 6 to, t- uh, sorry, 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time here on, on the blogtalkradio.com network. Um, and uh, if you're interested in coming on the show, if you're in the golf industry, whether you're a teaching professional coach or somebody that uh, maybe has a great product or, or business that, that's in the golf industry and you want to come on and share it with my listeners here on Golf Talk Live, you can reach out to me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to, as I said before I bring on my next guest, I wanted to very quickly uh, just give a recap on the Golf Talk Live. This is the first uh, contest that I'm running here in the program. It's uh, called the Major Champion Couples Contest. And uh, I'll first tell you uh, what you'll win if, if you're lucky enough to win the contest and uh, very quickly how to play the contest. Um, what you win is this. Um, it's at two nights. Uh, the first night is at a bed and breakfast at the Hacienda Hotel in Old Town, San Diego. Uh, that also includes golf for two at the Salt Creek Golf Club out in the San Diego, California area. Uh, the second night is also at a bed and breakfast at the Palm Mountain Hotel and Spa, and that includes a golf for two as well at the uh, Encina Golf Club. Uh, in addition to that, uh, you'll have lunch at the Old Town Tequila Factory, which of course is hosted by my good friend, Mr. Byron Casper. Uh, Byron is, as most of you know, an inter- international uh, PJ member, uh, instructor and son, of course, of the legendary professional uh, uh, Billy Casper, uh, fortunately is no longer with us. Um, but uh, he's going to host a lunch at the Old Town Tequila for the couple that wins the, the contest, uh, Tequila Factory, and uh, who knows, you might be able to sample uh, some, of the, uh, some of the great tequila that, that they, uh, they host at the Old Town Tequila Factory. So that's going to be hosted uh, on one of the days uh, by Byron Casper. And also, <clears throat> Byron is, is throwing in there a copy of uh, Billy Casper's uh, last book, The Big Three and Me, which uh, I have a copy of, and it's a great book. It talks about... Uh, some of the challenges, some of the great stories that he uh, shared uh, playing up against uh, the three uh, greats that he competed, uh, Jack Nicklaus, uh, Arnold Palmer, and of course, uh, Gary Player, uh, hence the name Big Three and Me. So he's going to throw in a copy of that for the uh, winning couple. Uh, so the value of the prize, of course, is is just in excess of about $1,000. The way you play the uh, Golf Talk Live Major Champions Couples Contest is this. Um, Obviously, the Masters has passed us now, but uh, there were four major champions uh, championships this year. What I want for you, need for you to do is to submit who you think via email uh, to golftalklivecontest at gmail.com, who you think is going to be the winner of each of the majors. Now, you can send them individually for each major, or you can send them all at once, uh, however you want to do it. I would suggest doing it individually. It uh, gives you more chances. Uh, you can only have one chance uh, per major championship, uh, but you email who you think is going to win. You have a, up until midnight Friday of each of the events uh, to, to submit your uh, your guesses for, for the various uh, uh, championships. The U.S. Open, of course, is coming up next, then the Open Championship uh, overseas, and then, of course, uh, subsequently the PGA Championship, which uh, will come up in August. Um, but submit your emails with who you think is going to win uh, each of the events, and then the winning selections are going to be uh, essentially thrown into a hat. And in the week following the PGA Championship, the Thursday following uh, the PGA Championship, uh, Byron is going to be coming back on the show, and we're going to draw the lucky winner, and uh, you'll have an opportunity 
uh, had a chance to win uh, really some great, uh, great uh, accommodations and some great golf, uh, a couple of rounds of golf. And of course, you'll get to read uh, uh, the late Billy Casper's uh, last book, The Big Three Me, which is, I can guarantee if you love golf, you'll love some of the great stories that Billy uh, has put into this book. Um, but do that. Submit your, your, um, your entries to golftalklivecontest at gmail.com. Again, no later than the uh, midnight Friday of each of the upcoming majors. And you can certainly submit them now if you want, but that's the deadline for each of the majors. And as I said, Byron and I will be um, reading out the winner of that uh, following the Thursday following the PGA Championship. So uh, jump in, guys. It's open to everybody, including those in the golf profession. So if you're a teacher professional or somebody in the golf uh, industry, uh, you're welcome to participate in the in the uh, contest as well. Okay, my next guest coming up here, I see, as I said, he's waiting in the wings, uh, Joseph uh, DiChiara. Uh, he's a PGA Class A member, as well as the Director of Education for KVEST. Uh, he's the uh, IPGA Managing Director of Instruction, and he's on uh, the advisory boards for both uh, KVEST and BodyTrack. Uh, won several certifications, number of awards. He's TP, uh, TPI Certified Level 3 uh, Golf Mechanic. He's TPI Certified Level 3 Golf Coach. Uh, as well as uh, level three uh, junior coach, level two fitness, level two uh, biomechanist, uh, level two medical, and he's also TrackMan uh, certified as well. And he was a top uh, 50 national junior coach in 2011, 12, and 13, and he was the New Jersey PGA Junior Golf leader uh, back in 2012. And he's uh, calling me from over in Thailand, so let me bring on my very good friend, Mr. Joseph DiChiara. Joseph, welcome. Hey Ted, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you for uh, for calling in tonight and and being my guest on Golf Talk Live. I had a, a few quick announcements to get out of the way before uh, we ran a little bit late in our earlier session, so I apologize for keeping you waiting. Um, Joseph, let's uh, just to update uh, the listeners tuning into the program tonight. Um, let them know where you are now and and uh, just a brief overview of and we'll get into a more detailed discussion, but a little brief overview of where you are and why you're there. Sure, uh, n- not a problem. And first of all, thanks for having me on. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, speaking to everybody uh, this evening. As Ted mentioned, uh, I'm currently in in Bangkok, Thailand. I relocated here. Uh, well, I guess I've been coming here on and off for uh, over a year now, but uh, relocated full time about six months ago uh, to uh, take the role as the managing director of the International Preparatory Golf Academy at the American School of Bangkok. Um, And we have an academy over here uh, that is modeled much after some of the full-time academies that you see in the United States and and mostly in Florida, uh, such as the IMG Academy or Bishopsgate's Golf Academy, things like that, uh, where juniors can come from around Asia uh, and come to the school and and receive full-time schooling uh, at an American school through American uh, curriculum, and as well as uh, our IPGA program where they get full-time golf training uh, in order to achieve college scholarships or play professionally. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, what an exciting opportunity for you, and, and I know we're going to talk about uh, really the opportunities um, for a lot of uh, people in the industry that, uh, that are going to, the doors are going to open, uh, I'm sure, as time goes on, and this is what you're working towards to really develop uh, the market over there to be much more competitive and, and obviously uh, raise the level of the game, if you will, uh, in Thailand. 
one of the things that I let me just very quickly on a, on a personal note, um, Joseph, I noticed uh, recently here on social media that uh, you and your wife uh, are celebrating an anniversary. So happy anniversary! And uh, <laughs> I, I saw you uh, uh, having a sharing a toast together with a beautiful backdrop. I'm assuming that is of, of Bangkok. And uh, so congratulations Correct. to both you both you and Thank your wife you. uh, on that anniversary. Um, all right, let's let's talk about uh, your academy really. Is focusing around junior golf, correct? It is. That is correct. Okay, let's talk about yeah. Let's talk about the development there as it stands right now, and what you're hoping to accomplish um, with this academy. Absolutely. So I think there's uh, there's two approaches that we're taking. One at the academy, and then one I'll speak about that uh, that I am launching with a couple other industry professionals over here to even further the exposure of junior golfers from this part of the world. Uh, in a sense, we'll start with the academy. Uh, up until now, um, juniors in Asia have uh, been restricted a little bit in terms of the level and the quality of instruction they were able to receive uh, in terms of a long a long focus, meaning uh, there really was no entity over here that focused on LTAD, what's called long-term athletic development. Uh, right. the, the, the golf instruction over here as a whole is, is still a bit old school in its mentality in terms of just one-hour golf lessons, uh, you know, a couple times a week or whatever it might be, but there's never been a periodized program put in place for a junior golfer to help them achieve the goals, whether it be collegiate golf or professional golf. So that's really what we're focusing on uh, at the IPGA. And to form a little bit more of an awareness and a partnership with the golf parents, which I think in my opinion is the most important piece to all of this because the juniors, again, uh, they just want to get better at golf. They love golf. Uh, most of them hopefully will love it for the rest of their lives. It's just uh, educating and uh, getting the parents to become aware that it's not a sprint. It's more of a marathon. Uh, It's not a sprint to get to the tour is what I tell the parents, but it's a marathon to have your child have a long lasting career with very little to no injury. So uh, that, that is a bit of a paradigm shift over here Um, in the way that the mentality is. It's, it's very much, um, to push early on. Uh, so we are trying to change that, at least with the parents at the IPGA right now. Um, and we actually have what we've, we've formed a parent checklist is what we've done at the academy. So everybody at the academy has a role. The coaches have a role, the yep. juniors have a role, and the golf parents have a role. So <laughs> we put out a, a checklist, and actually it's almost like a mini contract where we ask our parents to provide three things for us uh, to support us just to provide unconditional love and support for their child reward effort and not outcome and focus on the positive in the juniors game and not the negative. Um, We we explained to them a little bit about what uh, neuroscience has told us and what, uh, what we found, you know, in other areas where the humans uh, human brain remembers bad things three times as easily as good things. So, we have to emphasize the good instead of the bad because the bad is going to stay there for a longer period of time, just as a habit of humans in general. So these are some of the things that we ask our parents at the academy on the instructional side. 
And then to take that one step further, uh, as I mentioned myself and some other fellow professionals over here, we are trying to give or at least uh, launch a platform that will allow juniors over here to have greater exposure to college coaches in the United States uh, without having to spend a lot of money to come over to the United States and right. play an AJG event or stay the entire summer to even get recognized by college coaches. So just very quickly, we are starting a junior ranking system that will be specific mm -hmm. to Asia. We're going to be working with uh, at least to start the 10 countries in the ASEAN network in Southeast Asia to recognize some of the events in each country as ranked events. Uh, that's step one. Step two, we're, we're going to start and form a standardized combine assessment uh, for juniors in Asia that we will send out and put into a portfolio format for them and speak to college coaches if they're interested in some of these players. And then as a final step or, or a later phase, we're even uh, going to put in place some uh, streaming capabilities. So if coaches want to watch the combine or in the future want to watch these tournaments, they, they should have the capability to do that. Yeah. And, and I like, you know, you, you raised a, a very interesting point because again, you, you're in a, a market that isn't familiar. I mean, over here in the United States, of course, uh, most people that have uh, juniors that have gotten into golf, they, they understand there's a certain curriculum. They understand there's a certain format. The parents are, for the most part, are fairly educated on, on the procedures and the process. And there's a wealth of, of not only uh, great golf coaches uh, to sort of help navigate them along, um, but able to, to guide them in, in the proper direction they need to go. Where, where you're dealing right now, it's still fairly foreign to them. So you're not just providing great in, uh, opportunities for instruction and high le higher level instruction, but you're offering them really a path to that next level um, should they desire to go that route, essentially is what you're saying, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, and I yeah. like the fact, yeah. And I like the fact that, that you're doing that and, and it really, you know, there, there's a lot of areas that, that golf can develop and grow, uh, you know, obviously here uh, in the United States. Um, but there's a lot of other markets that have virtually been untapped. And that's not to suggest that, in, you know, in Thailand that they've, you know, never heard of golf or they don't understand. Um, but it, it's at a, a much more rudimentary level compared to what we're dealing with over here and maybe even in parts of Europe. So really what you're doing is, is quite ground, uh, groundbreaking. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and that, that's absolutely correct. It's not, it's not that golf is, is, Unknown here. Actually, golf is quite big in Thailand, uh, right. as far as it goes in terms of the other countries in this in this region. Thailand is actually the most advanced country uh, in terms of the other ones in this area. But still, uh, even in Thailand, they they they're still focusing on your traditional technical aspects of the golf swing only, and they feel that those are the only areas that need to be. Uh, that they need to be concerned about to reach a very high level. So with our academy and with this platform, we're going to start to introduce many new ideas to parents, coaches, as well as juniors that will take them beyond just, you know, coming into a one-hour golf lesson and, you know, fixing right. a close club face at the top of their swing. We're, we're, we're talking more about the learning process and what it takes for a junior to to walk a path to mastery is really what we're 
what we're trying to relay to these parents. We're, we're giving them the understanding that golf is just like any other learned skill that their child is learning, whether it's in school or whether it's outside of school. It's not something that you can just tell them to hit it at that target and expect them to do it without right. having the background skills to back that up and, and be able to complete that task. So we're, we're, we're taking a step-by-step approach. We're, we're identifying that, yes, technical skill is very important to play golf at a high level, but it's only one piece of this, uh, this road to mastery. Uh, you know, we're teaching them more about how the brain learns, how to practice properly to transfer skill from practice to the golf course, how to uh, not push your junior too much and actually – uh, time it so that they peak at the right times in the bigger events that they're playing in and, and just things along those lines that it, it, it's still very new to them where, you know, they don't quite understand that pushing a, a lot in the beginning might not be the right approach. Right. Yeah. There, there has to be a balance um, in, in anything that you do. And I think one of the things, and, and this brings me to an interesting point that I want to ask you because you, you're really, have a unique opportunity here to work with the parents. One of the the concerns that has sort of come about here in the United States, uh, and it's certainly not in every case, but there are instances out there that some document it's others not where the parents get, there's too much involvement um, in in the process and either it results in burnout with the kids um, or it just, it becomes too much interference between coach and and parent. Um, What -hmm. are you doing to sort of alleviate that um, while communicating with the parents. Obviously, as you said earlier, you know, there's sort of a, a contract. If you'll, there's a certain involvement, you want the parents to, to be there, but at the same time, there's a time and place that you want them to back off and let the, the powers that be the coaches and whatnot that are working with these students uh, at the Academy to step in and, and, and deal with uh, some of the things that, that need to be taught. Yeah, it's a great, great point, Ted. And I think that's the, You know, that's the holy grail of questions, at least when it comes to junior (laughs) golf at this point. Um, Right. You know, it's it's definitely easier said than done. Uh, And I'll just, you know, fill you in at least on my approach where, you know, step one is really the education and awareness. I think, um, you know, every parent loves their child. They just want the best for their child. And they're only doing what they know to be the best way to get their child to uh, succeed. But that, that, again, um, it's hard to say to the parent, but those types of things, when you have to, you know, talk to a junior about a poor tournament or something like that, there, there's right times and right places and right people to do that. And, and some of the times uh, the parent's not the right person to do that. Most of the time it's not right after a tournament. And that's kind of the, the approach that's being taken uh, that I see a lot. You know, the parents at the tournament, they're, they're pushing the child, and as soon as they get in the car to drive home, the parents yep. asking the, the junior questions about, why did you miss that shot? Why did you do this? Why did you, you know, it's just a, it's a barrage of questions where at that point the junior doesn't even want to think about golf anymore. So that is right. the worst possible time to bring things like that up. You should just let it, let it sit for a little while and then start with some of the positives that happened. Yep. What did they learn in the tournament? Things like that. So, um, like I said, circle back around, you know, the, the quote-unquote contract that we have 
drawn up lays out the, the, the responsibilities of the parents. And I make it very clear that the parents are not allowed in the performance center when instruction is occurring. Um, they're, they're allowed to stay outside. They can ask questions to me or, or our other four coaches on the staff. We're happy to inform them uh, about what we're doing and what our plan is for their child, but they have to communicate directly to us. Um, yeah. And that's another thing. Uh, a lot of the times I see <clears throat> parents asking the junior about what's going on and what they're doing. And a lot of the times, just like you know, many kids, they might not give a full answer or they're going to leave things out. And then the parent thinks that we're not doing a good job and it's just lost in translation. And that's why we stress communicating directly with the parent. <clears throat> they take a supporting role, not, not a lead role. We are the lead role in instruction, and, and we're even implementing things where we do parent nights where we give yep. free golf lessons to the parents of juniors in our academy so that they can see firsthand that, you know, not that we're trying to prove to them that we're smarter or anything like mm-hmm. that. They're, they're, you know, they all have their own professions, and, you know, if, sure. if someone's a lawyer or whatever <clears throat> it might be, I'm not going to tell them how to do their job, but we're just trying to show them that we do have a higher level of knowledge in terms of how to implement the information specifically to their child instead of like they might be doing in many cases is going to watch YouTube, finding something that might look like what their son or daughter is doing and then trying to apply it to them just arbitrarily because they think it might help them. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's a a great point as well. You know, I, I think really the sort of ideal situation is to have the parents more as the cheerleader if you will to encourage them to talk about some of the positives and i think the the the, the juniors are more apt to open up to their coach um where some of the areas that they need more improvement or more work and it's really the coach's job i think to really point out some of the areas that need that that uh, improvement or need more work um, because they're, the, the the juniors are more apt to listen i think to the coach than they are their parents and that doesn't mean that their parents um, aren't, don't play an important role, but I, I, I agree with you. I think that that really is the role of the coach to get into some of the, and I hate to use the word negative areas, but some of the areas that the students or juniors are having difficulties with, I think it's really um, a, a better application to have the coaches and, and professionals working there rather than having a, an overzealous parent getting there and, and sort of nipping like a, a, a hound at the, at the heel, correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the parent plays. Yeah, the parent does play a, a, in my sure. opinion, the largest role. And that's the you know the the role of of, of supporting their junior to achieve their right. goals. And I'll give you a quick example, and uh, it's a perfect example for what we're talking about. And unfortunately, it's the rarity right now. But I'm hoping to change that. We <clears throat> we have a a junior who's starting at our academy uh, in August in, in the next term. And uh, long story short. The father of this junior, they're from the Philippines, uh, and the father of this junior was so happy with the level of coaching that he was able to find in the Philippines that he went out and he bought a K-Vest, he bought a track man, and the wow. way we met is that I uh, was the direct, obviously the director of education, still am for K-Vest, and was teaching a certification that he was on. So I was hmm. teaching him how to read these graphs and how to train his son on his own because he had no other, no other option. And now right. this comes full circle 
his son now is 15 years old. He's going to be coming to the IPGA in, in August, as I mentioned, as a, as a full-time student. And the father feels so relieved now, and he's become our biggest cheerleader and has since recruited about three more kids to come to our academy uh, next year because he understands you know, the level of coaching that we're able to provide. He just knows that from the certifications and what he learned on those KVEST certifications. And he right. feels a sense of relief now, he said, that he can turn his son over and know that his son is going to get excellent coaching. <clears throat> He's going to get opportunities to U.S. to go to college. And, I, and you know, this is – it's an extraordinary story because he's – the father has done a great job up until now. Uh, you know, and when, when I say this junior is accomplished, he just won the IMG World Qualifier in the Philippines, opening round up with a 65. So this wow. junior is phenomenal, uh, absolutely phenomenal, has so much talent. He can, he's going to be able to go to D1, no problem, high-level D1. And this is, this is a perfect example. Now, unfortunately, not every child has or every family has the financial means to buy a KVEST or to buy a TrackMan to do those types of things. So right. what we're trying to do is we're trying to, again, uh, grow the awareness and, and, and let parents know that this is available to them now in Thailand where, at, at a fraction of the cost of what it would take to send them to the United States to go to, a, uh, to go to an academy such as this in the United States and also being able to keep your child a little bit closer to home uh, you know, in the high school years before they go away to school and get you know, a little bit older and can handle uh, living abroad, possibly. Yeah, it, and that, that's I, I like that. You know, I like the idea, and, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the program tonight. You know, we talk about um, you know all different aspects of golf and things like that, but the, and and how we can grow the game here. But really, you're, you're creating a unique situation, as you said. You know, Thailand obviously is is a, a very large golf market, but there's certain elements that aren't quite up to. Um, the level that they are here, and, and you've been given an opportunity uh, along with your, your partners there um, to be able to share that. And, you know, as you said, this particular father that you just spoke of, um, you know, obviously has the financial means, uh, but there's a lot of folks out there that maybe don't um, have those means to be able to, to have their, their kids to come over here, right, at least at this point. Um, so now you've prevented, uh, uh, created an opportunity to let them have that same exposure, as you said, at a, at a fraction of the cost, right in their own sort of home turf, and, and I think that's fantastic. Let, let's yeah, talk about, yeah, let's talk about, since you've already mentioned uh, technology here, let's talk about technology and, and you know, really how you're implementing. What, we had in the discussion earlier on the program, um, you know, a little bit about technology, and there's obviously pros and cons. I mean, the technology is great. There, there's no... Uh, problems with that. How do you leverage it in, 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 the, in the learning process? How do you make sure that you're not overwhelming the students uh, with this technology and that it's proportionate to um, giving them the best opportunity at being successful uh, at mastering you know, their game without, again, you know, flooding them with numbers and imageries and things like that, that, that becomes overwhelming? How do you find that balance? It's a great question. Obviously, that's a bit of a hot-button topic right now in the industry. And um, 
as you mentioned in the beginning when, when kind of introducing me and, and my background, I'm sure everybody on here knows that right. I, uh, I embrace technology fully. Sure. Uh, I think yep. it's done more for the, uh, the golf industry than, than really anything <clears throat> else in the, you know, in the <clears throat> most recent years with the, with the, 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 um, the invention and the, and the usage of things such as 3d motion capture force plates, things like that. All, all of it is phenomenal, the launch monitors and all of that. But you have to basically, in my mind, um, I'll, I'll actually use what we're using as a tagline with KVEST right now. The, the company just uh, basically rebranded itself, and, and we're using a tagline called uh, Measure Then Act. And what it stands for is Measure, <coughs> Assess, Coach, and Train. So what that means is technology is perfect for measurement. Okay, they're measurement devices, and it's the coach's job to be knowledgeable enough on that measurement device to know what the information means in relationship to their students. It's not up to the student to know. That's, that's right. I think I would stress that as the first big piece. But then going beyond measurement uh, to, to not become really you have to implement the act piece, the assess, coach, and train. So once you've measured uh, a student with whatever it is, TrackMan, launch monitor numbers, 3D K-Vest or, or body track or whatever it might be with their pressure in their feet, it doesn't matter. Whatever you're measuring, right. take those numbers, and then you have to assess what those numbers mean to your student. You have to assess the situation. Figure out, okay, is this player moving in this way? Are they hitting the ball that way? based on physical limitations? Is it because of a concept that they've heard from a previous coach? Is it a previous motor pattern that they've <clears throat> developed that we now need to change? Whatever it might be, you're assessing that client's situation. Then you, are, then you have to coach your student. Then the coaching piece is your communication to the student about what you've assessed. So you're basically communicating them, here's where you are today, Here's where we want to go, ideally, and this is what it takes to do that, to get to point A, to point B, which is the training piece. Training is what swing drills are you using with the, with the student? How much are they practicing? What are they focusing on when they're, when they're practicing? What is their intention? And then from train, once you've trained for a certain amount of time that you've deemed to be adequate to make the change that you want to make in their motor pattern or whatever it might be, then you circle right back around to measure again with the technology to, uh, to <clears> confirm <throat> if your previous cycle was successful or unsuccessful. And if it was successful, well, then you make your changes, your, your adaptations, and then you go through that circle again. Or you make changes if it was unsuccessful to make your next loop more successful. And we call that the, the learning loop. Uh, it, right. It's really the way uh, a student learns. You measure, you assess, you coach, and you train, and then you just repeat. Yeah, and and I think part of the difficulties in, in the industry right now, as you talked about, it's sort of a hot button of, of conversation. I think one of the things, and I've mentioned this many times, I'm, I'm like you, I, and I make no bones, but I'm all for technology. I think it's great. I think it's it, it certainly has. I think what has happened is that sometimes – too many people have gotten so wrapped up in the technology that they're sort of forgetting why they're there and, and they're, you know, throwing that information too quickly at the student 
and not really sort of, I mean, really, if you think about it, the technology in, in most cases is really designed as a tool for the coach to be able to make assessments and understand what the, the student is doing and how they can then take that information to help them. And I think what's happened in the industry for a while is that information was sort of then transferred to the student at, at such a rate and at such a, a um, velocity, if you will, that it overwhelmed and, and essentially confused the students. They didn't understand all of the components because really it was meant for a teaching tool and not meant as a visual aid um, for the student in, in every case. I mean, some cases it was, but other cases it wasn't. So I think there, there has to be sort of a happy medium and a happy marriage, if you will, um, between techno using technology for the coach and then what information you relay to the students. And I think you obviously have a, a great grasp on that, being involved in, in the uh, industry uh, at the level that you are uh, and, and have an understanding of, of what the proper usage of that technology is. Yeah, and you, you you hit the nail on the head there. And you know, I I say this to a lot of a lot of coaches because obviously we most of the people coming on certifications for KVS are golf professionals, not not parents. That's a, that's a rare right. case. But uh, um, so I do relay my thoughts to coaches quite often that, um, and this goes for golfers as well that are that are tuned in listening. That if if a coach cannot Take a number, whether it's from TrackMan or KVest or whatever it is, if a coach cannot take a number and convert that into a feel uh, right. or a cue of a feel and then give you a drill or, uh, or a, an exercise to do to enhance to change whatever that feel is, they're simply and unfortunately using the technology as a safety net and don't right. have a deep enough understanding of the numbers to be able to get that student better. Yeah, and, and, and that's what we've talked about many times in the past here on the show is, is, is finding that, that balance point. Um, you know, the, that information uh, can be extremely valuable for, especially in a coaching format. I mean, you know, as you mentioned earlier, really that's where the industry is, is moved into is more of a coaching platform as opposed to, you know, uh, one or two lessons a week. And that's what you're trying to do, um, you know, where you are now is, is – you know, to become a, a more effective uh, uh, and better quality player, you you have to commit some time. It's not just a matter of well, come out and and fix that hook and fix that slice. There's other components to becoming a better golfer. Whether you're playing on a, at a tour level uh, or a D1 college, uh, or you're just out uh, as a recreational golfer having fun. Um, you know, whatever your level of, sure. of golf enjoyment is, um, dictates you know uh, how much you want to invest into it. But um, the, the key is, and, and I think this is what I try to do with the show, is is, is engage in conversation. When we had uh, earlier here uh, on the show, I had a, a, my coach's corner panel, which I have every week. And, you know, I have coaches from all over the United States that come on the show. And we talk about various topics. And tonight happened to be, you know, one of the, the key issues uh, in the masses, if you will, is that the handicaps have pretty much you know, leveled off over the years. They're not getting better for a lot of golfers out there. And a lot of them have gotten frustrated uh, and, and aren't making those commitments. So this is an area, uh, one area is the technology is I think has been misused in some cases um, to the point where it's, it's actually um, shied away a lot of golfers. So I, I like your approach uh, that you've talked about and, and it's the right approach really is you've got to find that balance point and, and make sure that the coaches are being trained properly and understand the proper uses of the technology that they've been given. 
Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, let's talk about the academy itself. So, you know, a student coming into that academy, talk a little bit about the experience. Um, what what are they dealing with right from the get-go? What What's sort of the game plan, or is it sort of customized to each individual student based on their levels um, and, and uh, you know, what they're looking to accomplish? How does the, how does the academy work? Sure, sure. Uh, well, we have obviously different programs to accommodate different levels of, of students uh, where we, we do focus uh, primarily in, in terms of w- what we're trying to recruit, uh, the more elite junior, the one that sure. is, uh, let's, let's say, just entering high school uh, that's played golf, you know, that probably is shooting, you know, anywhere in the, you know, even in the 80s, you know, things like that, uh, just a junior that's already been introduced to the game. Uh, is where our our primary focus is. And that junior, if they came into the academy, the experience would be uh, that of just entering any school at the American School of Bangkok. So they go through the admissions process. They go through the admissions process for both the American School of Bangkok as well as the IPGA. We have a a, a test, uh, a proficiency test to be able to qualify to get into our uh, academy. And it's really more based on the, the the personality and the willingness of the junior more so than skill, just to, to put that out there. But uh, they'll go ahead and come in. And then uh, once they're accepted, uh, the, our performance center is right on the campus at the American school of Bangkok. So you literally walk out of your classroom building and you walk across a little, a little walkway and you're right at the performance center. And then if you just walk down um, from there, down um, a, a side road or whatever it might be a pathway at the, at the school, you're right at the dormitory. So everything is very close. Uh, it's very right. secure. Uh, we're in a gated community, so it's it's set back much off the off the highway. It's it's in a very safe, quiet location located right on Green Valley Country Club. So we have a golf course directly adjacent to the school where we have our own golf carts and we shuttle juniors straight to the golf course on the days that we're playing. And when we're practicing over there, we do the same. And then we also have our own dedicated short game range uh, Mm. right across the parking lot on the campus. So juniors can go over. We have a full grass tee hitting area. We have over a thousand square meter putting green for pitching and putting. And then we have a wedge green that can accommodate up to 120 yard shots. And starting next year, we're building some new tees to be able to uh, accommodate up to 145-yard shots into that green. Um, that's hmm. what's coming next. And then in our master plan, we have a, uh, a large-scale scale build-out for uh, a fully covered, uh, shaded, I guess you could call it short game area, with, where we'll have bunkers. We, we already have bunkers outside, obviously, over by the short game area, but the new area will be will have uh, 40-foot ceilings so that it's oh, wow. always uh, in, the, in the shade um, and that the juniors can practice. You know, it gets a little bit hot in Thailand, so yep. it's going to be able to protect <laughs> them from, from, the, from the sun and, and the heat so that we can uh, enhance our, our learning experience. And then we're also building out our performance center. Right now we have two bays. We have a track man. We have, obviously, a few KVS. Uh, but we're going to build that out to have uh, four or five bays as well as multiple TrackMan units and, and again, building out the technology uh, in the coming years. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, 
you know, and and it, it as I said, it's it's certainly an exciting time for you right now because you're you're in a market, uh, as I said, that you know, and as you pointed out, is certainly very golf inducive and very golf friendly, but just haven't had. Uh, the same level of instruction um, that's currently available over here, and, and it, it's um, it, it's created a, a, not only an opportunity for um, people like yourself to be able to go over there and share that experience, um, you know, in, a, in an outside environment, but also give them the opportunity to have access, um, you know, here to to a much larger golf market and and uh, abilities to be able to get involved into um, going to you know a great school. And um, and hopefully you know yeah. making it on to, to the teams and, and beyond from there. Um, now you also we we've talked about and, and tell me uh, or what can you update me a little bit? Um, there, there's also a tournament coming on uh, for juniors in that uh, in that area as well coming up. I believe you said November. Uh, tell me what can you tell us about that uh, and where does it stand right now? Yeah, we are uh, we're working to secure some sponsors for what we want to. Uh, called Junior Golf Prodigy Tournament uh, in November. There will mm-hmm. be some some form, whether it's go- the Golf Prodigy Tournament or not, there will be some form of a high level of tournament uh, in Thailand in November, uh, whether, whether we do it by this route or whether we start to introduce this junior ranking system first, where juniors right. can enter into a series of events. And, and compete and get ranked, and we will obviously uh, uh, showcase that to college coaches in the U.S. Uh, based on them being members of our of our site and having access to not only the junior scores but also their their combine results. And uh, we will also do interviews for juniors so that the coaches can start to see their personality. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, uh, understanding who the junior is and why they might want to recruit them for their, for their team. Uh, because another thing that is a little bit unknown over here is that, you know, coaches are going to recruit juniors uh, just as much based on personality than they are on skill. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and I also know too, that you, you've talked about, um, you know, really, you know, not just providing a, a great facility, but also helping some of the coaches that are over there right now that are from uh, Thailand to ele- elevate their abilities as well. That's part of the agenda um, with, with what you're doing as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, with my background, obviously, uh, with, with KBS, I do have a passion for education and, and teaching teachers, if you will, um, how, to, how to get their students better, make more money, whatever it might be, you know, enhance their career. So, that's certainly something that I am uh, doing over here and, and going to start to implement a little bit more to the instructors that want to get better. Because uh, we're at a point over here where, you know, I would call it, and I hate to, to, to use this term, but it's, 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 pretty, uh, it's pretty appropriate. You know, we, we have a very distinct old school, new school going on over right. here where the, the old school coaches – there's no way they're going to even look at technology, but we do have right. an emerging group of young professionals over here that are hungry to learn that are buying technology. And they just, uh, unfortunately uh, don't have a lot of access to information. So they're, they're getting their information from YouTube. They're watching as many videos of coaches that are again, teaching teachers, uh, you know, whether it's the great work being done by, 
Michael Jacobs or Brian Manzella or those guys, you know, these coaches over here are trying to learn. They just need to know where to look. So that's what I'm helping them with. I'm trying to guide them as to, hey, you know, what's, what's a good thing for your career? Is it good for you to go get TPI certified? Introduce the, the body swim connection aspect into your coaching, things like that, so that they can start to navigate their careers a little bit better and, and become more successful. Yeah, and, and I, I like that idea that, um, you know, that again, it all boils down to, and one of the nice things about the golf industry is, you know, everybody's willing to sort of share information. It's not, you know, if, if you come out with something tomorrow that is going to benefit golfers, you know, you're able to share that information. It's not, well, hey, this is all about me. Um, one thing I like about the golf industry is they're very quick to to share that information with one another. And, and you know, you're doing a fantastic job. And, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted to have you on the show is to share, um, you know, some of the the platforms that you're trying to create with what you're doing. You've already done um, some phenomenal work here over the United States, but you're now taking it a step further and, and branching out, if you will, and, and sharing that information um, not only with your fellow professionals, but uh, but also with uh, with others uh, around the globe. And and I, I can really see this, um, you know, blossoming into a, a very um, a very interesting project uh, that was that is going to do some, some great, uh, great things. Uh, I can see that happening down the road. I appreciate that, Ted. That's obviously, you know, our goal right now, we're really at the beginning stages. Um, the Academy only opened in <laughs> August, but you know, we can see that we're starting to get a bit of a snowball effect with signing up five new students, which gets us to a total of 20 now already. Uh, right. Just, just in our first year of operation. So, um, and again, we're not looking to explode this into a huge, a huge academy. We're really only looking to keep it, you know, to 50 students or less, uh, you know, to keep the quality uh, at right. a level that it needs to be to, to develop these juniors. But again, uh, you know, if this academy does well, then, you know, who knows, there might be a, a need for more. So we'll see. Yeah. And I, I can certainly see that happening. I think, you know, we, we've watched, if you look at, um, you know, the interest that's happened around the world um, you know, you just have to look at the, the ladies' tours, look at the LPGA, um, for instance, you've seen coming out of Korea uh, and other areas, uh, other Asian uh, areas, just the, the boom of young players that have just gravitated and the, and the high level of playing um, that's coming on to the LPGA. And, and you don't see it quite as much yep. uh, over here on the PGA right now, um, but, you know, you've seen it uh, certainly on, on the women's tours. Um but you're, you're certainly going to see it as, as time goes on. And, and uh, I think with what you're doing over there, the efforts that you guys are, are doing is just phenomenal. And I'm excited to, uh, to, you know, to hear more about it as, as it goes on. So, I, I, you know, I definitely want you to, as they say, keep me in the loop with, with what's happening. I think there's some opportunities that we've talked about, and I won't get into them right now because we'll, we'll talk about that uh, at a later point. But sure. uh, that, you know, I would, I would certainly like to, uh, to have more involvement with it as well. But um uh, Joe, just some great work, and, and is there anything else that you, you want? We're, we're Unfortunately, we're winding down here just the last few moments. Uh, anything else that you want to make sure no, that we get out um, uh, no, before I, we... No, I think uh, that's it, Ted. I, I think that's it. Um, uh, you know, I appreciate you having me uh, you know, on the show, and if anybody is interested in learning a little bit more uh, about the Academy, uh, our website is www.asb.com. 
ipga.com. It's just ASB IPGA. So it's American School in Bangkok, International Preparatory Golf Academy. Dot com and then uh, my email is joseph at asbipga.com so if anybody wants any more information feel free to contact me i'll be more than happy to uh, fill you in on on anything you want to know perfect well joseph uh again thank you very much for coming on golf talk uh, live it's uh, as i said it's very exciting what you're working on over there and i appreciate you taking your time uh, I know that we're uh, obviously in different time zones right now, so you're actually uh, – <laughs> I'm still fairly early evening, and I'm not sure what time it is, either very early morning or, or I'm not sure what it is uh, over – 10 to 8 in the morning, yep. Oh, okay. Well, and I, I don't feel so bad. Uh, I thought if it was 2 or 3, then, you know, you, you were having a late night. But, um, no, uh, no, Joseph, no, no. Yeah, it's okay. Listen, thank you very much, and, and I want you, uh, you know, to come back on the show as – as, as things progress and, and, and keep me updated and keep us updated as well. And anything, as I've said to you before, anything that I can do, um, you know, through my uh, mediums here uh, to help generate interest and, and uh, you know, to, to drive some, some uh, traffic and whatnot uh, to, to what you're doing over there, by all means, uh, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks so much, Ted. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, again, congratulations on on, uh, on what you're you. doing over there, and uh, and also uh, onto uh, your anniversary again as well. Um, Joseph Dichiara, thank you very much for for stopping by Golf Talk Live. Thanks, Ted. All right, take care. Okay, that was my very special guest, as I mentioned, uh, calling from Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, Joseph Dichiara. Uh, a great uh, PGA professional and uh, on many, many advisory boards, uh, putting together a, a great uh, program, if you will, for junior golfers um, and really uh, a great opportunity for, for parents over uh, in the, uh, the ASEAN areas that want to get your junior in, uh, junior golfers into uh, a great facility um, you know, as he mentioned, it's just uh, opened here in, in late August of, of, of uh, 2015, and uh, here they are already are up to 20 students, uh, well on their way to uh, uh, working towards capacity for, for that particular academy. And uh, lots of great things coming in, uh, great use of technology, as he mentioned. And uh, I, I can, as I said, I can see some great things happening uh, in, in, in Thailand as a result of of Joseph's work. Um, again, don't forget the, uh, the contest, the Golf Talk Live Major Champions uh, Couples Contest. I want you couples to get involved uh, in the contest. Submit your uh, entries uh, to golftalklivecontest at gmail.com. Again, uh, pick who you think is going to win. Uh, we've got three uh, major uh, championships uh, remaining for, for 2016. We've got the U.S. Open coming up here in uh, a little over a month. Uh, and then we've got the the Open Championship, of course, uh, overseas, and then the PGA Championship rounding up. Uh, easiest way to do it: pick who you think is going to win. Um, you've got until the Friday of each of the tournaments, uh, midnight Friday, uh, to submit for that particular tournament. Uh, you can submit them individually, or you can submit them all under one email if you want ahead of time. Uh, who you think uh, is going to win, or you know, the reason I gave it until midnight was I wanted to give uh, people an opportunity to kind of see who's in the field and who's where and whatnot, but at the same time, uh, didn't want to make it too easy for you. But pick who you think is going to be uh, the next uh, U.S. Open champion or the Open champion uh, winner or the PGA championship who's going to be the winner of that event. Uh, submit that to golftalklivecontest at gmail.com. Make sure that you include all of your information, your contact information, 
and uh, you and your your uh, happy partner, uh, should you be successful in winning the contest, um, will be able to spend a couple of great nights in the San Diego area and play some uh, some great golf and uh, spend an afternoon uh, lunch afternoon with uh, Byron Casper, son of legendary Billy Casper, at the uh, Old uh, Town Tequila Factory, and also you get a copy of. Uh, Billy's uh, last book, The Big Three and Me. Um, so remember, submit your entries to Golf Talk Live Contest at gmail.com and uh, make sure that you submit them, as I said, no later than the uh, midnight, the Friday of each of the remaining major tournaments. And uh, we will take all of the winners uh, that select correctly uh, for each of the events and we will put them in a hat in the week following. Uh, the PGA Championship, the Thursday falling, uh, Byron will be coming back on the show. In fact, he'll be coming on the Thursday evening of each of the major tournaments uh, for the rest of the year, and then he'll be coming on the Thursday following the PGA Championship uh, so that we can announce the winner of the uh, Golf Talk Live major couples, uh, major champion couples contest. So good luck, everybody. I've already got a number of submissions already. Uh, keep them coming, and I look forward to... Uh, to announcing the uh, winner coming up here in uh, just a few short months. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Golf Talk Live. I want to give a special thank you to Pete Buchanan and Mike Fay uh, for doing a great job on the Coach's Corner uh, panel earlier. And, of course, again, to my very special guest, uh, Joseph DiChiara uh, over in Thailand. Thank you for being my guest tonight as well. And, of course, I want to thank all of you uh, for tuning in faithfully worldwide uh, and listening to uh, Golf Talk Live each and every week. And I do, as I say this all the time, I have a great amount of pleasure and enjoyment of having a number of highly talented coaches, teacher professionals, authors, and entrepreneurs stop by the show. And it's really through their participation and guest appearances that have helped make Golf Talk Live a first-class show. Special thank you to some of the sponsors and supporters of the show, Mr. Jonathan Laird from South Coast Golf Guide. Go to southcoastgolfguide.com and request your copy of the guide. It's a great publication. Uh, been around for over 20 years. Uh, features a lot of great golf courses here in the southeastern part of the United States. So uh, go to southcoastgolfguide.com and you can request a copy. Or if you're going to be coming down here uh, into the southeast from literally Texas all the way over uh, here to uh, the northwest part of Florida, uh, you can go to most of your pro shops. Uh, Edwin Watts, I believe, carries the guide as well. Uh, or just uh, email uh, through uh, South Coast Golf Guide. You can request a copy of the guide be shipped to you uh, virtually wherever you are. And if you're interested in advertising opportunities in the guide, uh, you can email Jonathan at Jonathan at SouthCoastGolfGuide.com. Uh, also, thank you, special thank you to Meredith Kirk from Meredith Kirk Golf. Go to MeredithKirk.com. A great young lady, great uh, teacher professional out in the Myrtle Beach area. Uh, Nikki and Tiffany Litherland, thank you for all of your uh, help in spreading the word about the program. Nikki, of course, is a great uh, young uh, golf professional as well, and his lovely wife, uh, Tiffany Litherland. Thank you very much uh, for all of your hard work. Mr. Bernie Pinder from Ontic Golf, the president and founder of Ontic Golf, a great line of customized uh, putters uh, here in the United States. Lots of great things happening there. Uh, go to onticgolf.com and uh, order your uh, customized putter today. Uh, Sean Kelly, uh, owner and uh, founder of linkedgolfers.com, a uh, great website uh, taken from the uh, largest golf group on LinkedIn, uh, Linked Golfers. And he's brought that out here on the website. Uh, go to uh, linkedgolfers.com and you can see some great information, great instruction 
from a lot of uh, teaching professionals from around the world. And also to my good friend, Mr. Peter Doyle from Doyle Golf Solutions over in Ireland. Thank you for all of your hard work as well in spreading the word about the show. I want to take this opportunity one last time to thank, again, all of you for tuning into the show. Just remember to tune in every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central right here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody and have a great week.